so I, we're on, a, we're on a, a path of just learning more and more about prayer. Prayer is what we're going to focus on until um, we're, we're, we're led off of that point. And guys, candidly, I want to stay here for a while. I really do. I want you guys to be a, a group that, that everyone knows, wow, they really pray. There's something different about that group. They pray on their own. They pray as a group, as a family. And then there's, there's results when they pray. And, and I've been thinking so much about Moses lately and, and what his pattern was. I talked about it a couple weeks back. Soph talked about it. And then Elkin mentioned it this morning at the end of prayer, which I thought was awesome because it was right on topic with what I'm going to talk about today. Um, he talked about the tabernacle and how in the New, new Testament, New Covenant, we, we transition into a new form where we are the heavenly tabernacle. But I'm not going to skip forward to the New Testament, New Covenant today. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament where God talked to Moses and he gave him the d design, these very specific plans about the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle. This is super basic stuff, and I'll just, I'll tell you, it's not easy because it's so dense when you're reading. If you've, how many of you have read Exodus all the way through? Oh yeah, this is my opportunity to shame everyone, this is great. Okay, how many have read it this month? <laughs> okay, nobody, I'm just kidding, stop. I'm, I'm messing with all of you guys. But Exodus is great because it's kind of a story, but it does go into some detail about the, the tabernacle. Um, Leviticus is a little tougher, it's a little more dense, but there's a lot more detail in there, not only about the tabernacle, but about like all kinds of like process and, and pieces that God had in mind. The one thing I want to highlight um, before we get into this, God was absolutely specific, absolutely specific with every single detail. And so just before we talk about anything, and before you go and try to take on the Old Testament, realize that when God was interacting with, with humanity at that point, he was giving extremely specific instruction with a very definite purpose. He doesn't waste words. He doesn't waste time. He doesn't exercise us because he just wants to see, you know, what we're made of. He's always working towards an end that's an ultimate good and an ultimate outcome. And so with Moses' tabernacle, there's so much in it and I literally have, for two weeks, been just like, how do I talk about this? Because it's so dense. And so I promise you today, we won't talk about it all. I'm going to pick a very, very small piece, because I want you to leave with something today that's, that's really, in my mind, really significant. And it's God's emphasis on prayer and how it shows up in Moses' tabernacle. And I, I do want to kind of foreshadow that there's superior covenant that comes. So Moses' tabernacle is something that God gave Moses that the Israelites used for 40 years. 40 years in the history of mankind, that, that was the period where Moses' tabernacle was active. David comes along next, and we have David's tabernacle, and then Jesus comes along and replaces even that. And there's so much beauty in that progression. If you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, I just want to challenge you over time, like, these are things that change your way of interacting with and understanding God. It's really challenging when it, life is so practical and normal in Christianity where we get, into, we get in a rhythm of just how do we live the best life? How do we like navigate the world challenges that we're, we're walking through every day? 
Like, give me practical advice. Give me really simple scripture that, like, keeps my eyes up high and kind of keeps my head up and keeps me going. I feel better about my circumstance. I feel better about my life. Then we have these things like Moses' tabernacle, and you're like, what do I do with that? I haven't heard someone talk about Moses' tabernacle in, in probably a decade. And I've, like, before I was here, I was at a couple different churches. Moses' tabernacle is, like, completely off the radar. And I just want to challenge you guys. There, if, if you dedicate yourself to learning with a heart that says, God, teach me what is in this that you wanted to be there for my generation. There's relevance here. He will, and he'll, he'll, he'll give you more and more insight into who he is and how he's designed you to be. And so when we read about Moses' tabernacle or we talk about it, we're actually given the opportunity to understand fundamental principles about God and how he's designed us to not only live but worship him and what he values and what he prioritizes. And you say, well, okay, all of that's good, but this is thousands of years ago. I'm just, the, the whole concept is if we can understand him in any way, it will change the way we navigate our today, and it's all relevant. And so what I want to do to try to keep it ultra simple is I want to show you some pictures, because I like pictures. All right. <laughs> so if that's okay with you, this is where we're going to start. And this is much more teaching than I typically do, just so prepare yourselves. This is more like teacher events than anything else. If, if, if my uh, assistant could, there it is, look at that. I took this picture in Israel last week. No, I didn't. I took it, <laughs> took it off the internet. You guys can search Moses Tabernacle online. There's like a thousand illustrations. I'd encourage you to do that. Um, this is kind of a representation of what it looked like from the outside. Almost like exactly. It's, super, it's, it's a very simple structure. Remember, the Israelites are out of Egypt. They're in their exodus. They come out. They've, they've escaped the, the armies of Egypt. And they're roaming around. And while they're roaming around, God tells Moses, you guys need this. <laughs> so I just stop right there. If I'm Moses, I'm like, no, we need a place to live. We don't need that. Why would we need a tent and like these structures, what is this all about? And you, you, you just pause for a minute and you go, okay, what kind of God is this? That he, he rescues a people from slavery, captivity, sends them to the desert, and then begives, gives them a blueprint for this. And I want to walk through what this is in a little more detail. But it tells you something really, really big about God, is that to God, it's him first. It's rewiring our thought life, our priorities, our understanding of what matters to his perspective that has to trump everything else in our life. And as we talk about prayer, I want you guys to think about this. Prayer is one of the most fundamental things that is, it is a foreign concept to what actually would normally help you through your day and your life. It is something that acknowledges an other, a God, that is outside of everything that's practical and natural. And it says this act, this, this thing I'm doing, is connecting me with something that there's no logic in, in the natural sense. I have natural needs, I have physical needs, I have, I have uh, financial needs, I have material needs. I have emotional needs. I have all these needs that are, that are local, that we can touch and feel, man to man, woman to woman, person to person. 
God introduces things like this in the Bible, and he's, he's physically pointing us to a different perspective on what matters. This is a completely other way of approaching life. And so what he's done here is he's given Moses a, a uh, he calls it a blueprint, that not only gives them a way of practicing worship, but it points forward to a Messiah who's coming. And he does this while they're in the desert during a 40-year period. I want you to think for a moment about your life and think about, I have these seasons that are totally unpredictable and seem like they're completely off range in terms of what I'd hoped to do and hoped to be. And there are periods of time where it feels like there's nothing going right and very challenging. It's heavy, it's hard, I feel lost, I'm wandering, I know God's with me, but it's really not where I'd hoped to be in this moment. And I, I actually have dreams and visions for where I'm supposed to be. What I think is interesting in a pattern we can take hold of is in those seasons of great challenge and confusion, God does things like reveal himself in a really profound way that in the moment may not feel like it's significant, but for the Israelites and the people of Israel, they were getting a blueprint to the very nature of Jesus and then the very life of all humanity that would serve God forever while they were out there roaming around in a desert. And I would just, I would just caution you guys to pause in your moment, whether it's a like wonderful moment whether it's a really challenging moment, you can go like, I'm in the desert, or I'm like in Canaan, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the promised land, or I'm like somewhere between the promised land. I would challenge you to slow down and connect with the God who is absolutely comfortable revealing the deepest parts of himself, regardless of how you feel in the season that you're in. And I would make sure that in the season that you're in, you're able to take hold completely of God and agree with him on the topics he's focused on in your life, meditate on the things that he's bringing up, not forcing the conversation forward or backwards to a place you'd rather be or a place you came from, but stopping and going, God, if you want to reveal a way for me to apprehend you out here in this desert, I'm willing to do it, even if it's something as strange as that. Because... Whatever you say, it's always better, not just for me, but for everyone around me. And maybe I'm big enough that even generations beyond me could benefit from my willingness in this season to say, yes, I'm willing to learn and listen for, to you. And so Moses was courageous. He was brave. He knew the way physically to the promised land, but he knew that there was a bigger priority. He had to stay in lockstep with God, and he had to connect with Jesus, not Jesus for him, but with God in that season and listen and obey and not force the conversation forward. You guys remember Moses eventually hit the rock and God was like, you actually can't come to the promised land now? I always was like, wow, like that's crazy. Moses was like, this is enough. It's really like in his heart. He's like, this is enough. We do not need to be out here any longer suffering. We have to go to the promised land. This is enough. And he hits that rock out of an act of defiance in his heart because he wasn't willing in that moment to say, I just, I'll do this for the rest of my life if this is the best for these, me and this people. And, and I'll tell you guys, all of us are at risk 
of calling on God's grace rather than his partnership because our seasons get confusing and challenging. And I just want you guys to just remember Moses and then I want to start giving you pictures like this that start to shape your, your legacy. Your legacy is not what you've done. Your legacy is the family you've been grafted into. Moses is your father. He's a forefather to you. He made amazing choices and had great, great uh, revelation and encounter that opened doors for multiple generations. And that's who you are supposed to be. Okay? So let's talk about Moses' tabernacle for a moment. I'm going to give you the, like, the super fast flyby version. And then I, at the end, I have for all of my little academics in here, that, and I'm, I'm one of those that likes to study this stuff in depth, there's a great book I'll recommend for you that if you want to go like crazy and have 50,000 scriptures at, at, like in your mind related to this, they're all there, so I'll, I'll point you to that book. But I want you guys to be able to kind of at a really superficial level understand the concept of this. This is where God introduces the, the idea of sacrifice, blood sacrifice. He actually did it back in Egypt when he made them put blood over the doors so that the, the angel would pass over and not kill their kids, kill them. Um, blood sacrifice is a theme throughout the Bible, but this is, a very, this is where the Levitical priesthood really takes off. So if, if any of this is like just totally over your head, don't worry about it. It's okay. But what God does is he has all these tribes, all these people of Israel, and he sets aside one tribe. So there's 12 tribes of Israel. So there's probably in this group, there would be two of us. But if you're going to be acting in this, this part of the uh, program, you have to be a man and you have to be of a certain age and you have to have like no defects. And he narrows it down to the people that can participate in the actual work of the tabernacle. It's a very, very select group within the select group of Israel. And what they do is they have these, these different stages that God has designed. And so you have the outer gates. You can kind of look up here and see the picture. Let's go to the next slide so you guys get this image of the outside. Go to the next slide. This gives it in detail. And I'm just going to fly through this. So you have the outer gates kind of represented with that white. This first item here on the right, we're going from right to left. And we're working towards the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God was. So on the right, you have the altar of burnt offerings. So the, the altar. This is where you would bring like a bull in. They'd kill the bull as a sacrifice. Okay, the next thing you have is the laver. This is like a little washing. It's a water. Like, like think of a fountain, but without the fountain part, it's just a, a bowl. And it's full of water. And it, it's kind of where they'd wash their hands as priests before they purified. Know this. No member of the tribe of Israel could go past these gates. They would bring their sacrifice in, but once they got to that second section over there, the holy, see up on top, outer courtyard, holy place, holy of holies. Holy place, holy of holies, no one goes in there. Remember, Moses went in there. One, the, the priest who is, who is doing his duty like on a schedule, he could go in there. We could never go in there. So you have the altar where they, they do the burnt offerings, the laver where they wash their hands, then they go in through the door, so then we're inside that tent that you guys saw. In the tent on the right, you have the table of showbread. So that's like the bread you take at communion. It's kind of like that. Same, similar concept, bread. On the left, you have, it says menorah. It was a candlestick. It was like 60, there's 66 pieces of it. It's pretty fascinating. It correlates with the scripture. There's 66 books in the Bible. There's all kinds of wonderful stuff you can get into if you want to dive into it. But it's lit. 
and it brings light to that room. It's a candlestick. The next thing, altar of incense. And that's where we're going to stop today, the altar of incense. Because what we're talking about is prayer. But I want, you to, I want to point to a few scriptures, and I want to give you a sense of what, this was, what, what happened and how this worked for them. So let me point you to one scripture. Go to the next slide really quick, and we'll come back to this. I think I've got it. Go to one more. No, I didn't put it up there. Sorry, let me give you the Revelation scripture. Is that in there? Okay. All right, the prayers of the saints. So in the book of Revelation, it says this. It says, when, when he had taken the scroll, and, and we're taking this kind of out of context, but this passage and themes like this happen throughout the Bible where it says what prayers are. I just want to give you one pointer. It says, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Okay, that's pretty obvious, right? It's almost like an equal sign. So there, there's... Throughout scripture, there's, there's symbols and there's types and there's all this, this depth to it. What the scripture says is the prayers of the saints are like incense to the Lord. Okay, go back to that picture and we're going to slow this conversation way down. So let's stop here for a minute. Um, I, want you to, I want you to think about Jesus for a minute with me. And I want you to understand that when Jesus came and gave his life, he was the sacrifice for our sins, right? Where does that come from? It comes from this model before him. Long before his physical arrival on earth, it comes from this model. And the idea was to progress towards relationship or interaction with God. And we know that the Ark of the Covenant was where God designed a place for himself to dwell, like his presence was physically there. There was this process that God showed Moses that, the, that we had to go through to gain access to the throne room of God. The first step is this altar of burnt offerings. And so this is the very basic concept that Jesus died for you. So in the old covenant, they'd have to bring their goats, or their pigeons, or their ox, or their cows. They'd have to bring them as a sacrifice to atone for their sins. There's so much, there's so much here. I just want, I want to remind you guys, all of this is so beautiful, but it's very much like a whole language in a world unto itself. And I want to encourage you guys, hopefully you come out of this day going, I knew 5% of that, or I knew 85% of that. Either way, I want to invest in getting more of this in me because I want to understand it at more depth. But the idea is that at a fundamental level, if you sin, you've kind of turned your back on God. The practice they had in place was bring, it up, bring, a, bring one of your cows or bring one of your oxen. I want you to pause for a moment. You're wandering around in the wilderness. How many cows and oxen do you own? <laughs> How valuable is a cow or an ox to you? You can, like, it's obvious this is probably financially the most significant item you have. For your family, it's something that if it, it, it's, it's of huge worth and of value. And so if we're to think about, and I want to I connect Jesus 
to what this Moses picture was, but then I want to bring it forward to where we're at today. And this is a lot to try to chew through, but I want you to try to do this with me. If, if God's presence is at the back of this room, the very first step I take is I'm bringing a sacrifice to pay for my sin. And that's what Jesus did for us. But I also want you to understand this, the cost associated with me, and we're just looking in the Old Testament here, me bringing something like a living animal in. That is a huge value. I want to ask you the question, in terms of your relationship with God, where in this continuum of getting closer to his presence do you feel that you spend most of your time? And so I'm going to just highlight this first step has a lot to do with finances. It has a lot to do with surrendering and understanding that, that everything that is of worth to me, I need to sacrifice in order to move to the next place. The next step was this laver, this water thing. This is a picture of baptism. It's when we, when we go into a baptismal and we come back out, we're washed, we're cleansed. Remember that Jesus did the same thing. We're getting closer now to the presence of God, but we're still very much on the outside. This is like step one, day one. We give our lives over to him and we have a sacrifice. The second step, we wash in baptismal tank. All right, we go into the, we, we gain access now to the tent. In the tent on our left is a candlestick. Candlestick throughout the Bible is pointed to as like a picture of the word, the Bible, like scripture. And so it, it's a light. It brings light to us. Jesus was also called the light of the world, right? So there's this picture of understanding and, and interacting with light as it brings me closer to, but not quite to, the presence of God. On the right, we have this table of showbread. The table, you guys remember what Jesus did before he died? They all get together and they break bread. That's the communion. It's the, it's the connection with the community. It's what we do when we lean on and interact with one another. Okay, and then this next step is this altar of incense and prayer. Then behind that, I'll just give you the picture so we can complete it here, is you've got the veil, right? We have the veil behind this altar, and then behind that is the actual presence of God. Okay, so we've, that's, that's the end of the Sunday school lesson. I apologize in advance because I know it's just a lot of content for a Sunday morning. But I want you guys to think about this for a moment. You have an opportunity when you interact with God and when you interact with like your faith and when you interact with how do I mature and grow in this life, you need to develop a practice at each of those stations. And those stations are absolutely relevant to us today. The sacrifice at the altar where we're bringing not only like our physical and natural worth to him, but we're agreeing with Jesus as someone that did that completely for us, that allows us, that reminds us daily to say, okay, like, God, this is yours. This whole thing is completely yours. Okay, fast forward. Baptism. I remember that I died to my sins, and I'm resurrected again. Take another step. Word. I, I invest in, I fill myself up with the word. It's, it's light to me. It's strength to me. I turn to my right. Fellowship. I have the showbread, I understand what it means to be in connection and in relationship with other believers because it's part of my progression towards his presence. But then there's this, this station here that we want to focus on today. It's the station of incense. 
like all the other stations, there's, a, there's huge write-ups in the book of Exodus and other books about what's in detail there. This is what I want you to consider. What's closest to God's presence in all of those things I mentioned? It wasn't the financial sacrifice at the very front or the identification with, with like repentance. That's really where you begin to translate the idea of the, the sacrifice. It wasn't in baptism. It wasn't in the reading of the word. It wasn't in the showbread. The closest thing to the veil, the closest thing to the presence of God was prayer. Incense. I've, I've been thinking about our life and the ways in which like, we navigate and work on getting closer and closer to God. So many times we prioritize the reading of the word, which is obviously essential. You can't get to prayer unless you have the word. You have to go through all of these stages to progress towards the presence of God. But so many of us just, we, we invest in the word, but it's like, I really love reading the word, but I hate people. Then we got communion over here. Like we have the show right over here. It's like, I do not want to go to a cell group. I don't want to talk to my friends about God. I don't want to interact with Christians. They're awful. I'd rather just learn about God. Or take it a step further back. It's like, yeah, I was baptized, but like I, you know, the, the, I was cleansed once. I don't have to worry about being pure and purification. Like that was done. It, it's not a process that I need to worry about anymore. God's grace covers me. I don't need to worry about my life as much. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We don't need to think about those things. Um, I'm curious that prayer is the closest thing to his presence. Because I think it's something that we, we don't have the perspective of when we pray, that it's actually the, the peace that's right outside the door of him standing right there. I think so often when we pray, we're approaching it with, with ourselves in mind. It's like my world is what I'm presenting to him. Like, maybe I'm, I'm better than I was five years ago, but there's still uh, immaturity in my presentation of what goes on in that space. If you were to visualize and think about, okay, this, like, even this picture, this progression, there's a curtain. Behind this curtain, God is there. And if you read the Bible, it shows us that, like, Israel followed his presence around. You guys remember the cloud is over this by day, and the fire is over this by night. He's literally over the Ark of the Covenant, and it's visible for all of Israel to see. So you actually have a manifestation, like a material, I can see it. God is behind this curtain. Prayer is on the other side of it. And I just want you to, like, pull the, 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 the symbols away. And say, Jesus is standing behind a curtain. He's right there. And what's on this side of it is your prayer and your incense to him. I wonder if the nature of your prayer would change if you knew he was right on the other side of this, this curtain. I wonder if it would be lists of needs and frustration with past events that would dominate your conversation if you knew he was right there listening. And in fact, it wasn't just that he's listening when you make the prayer, it's that it actually is, 
it's a substance that's put into this altar, and it has an aroma that constantly is lifted before him. It's something he's not just aware of when you're there face to face or you're there in that act of prayer. It's something that you leave behind when you leave the room. And I just think about the pace at which we go when we approach prayer. The pace that allows us to run in oftentimes with anxiety and go, I really need you to address all this stuff. Wait, wait, I can't say it that way. Jesus, thank you so much for helping me. <laughs> like, like, you get better and better at the language. But the truth is, you've, you've actually like raced through all of this, these steps that God ordained. And he's like, these are really significant steps. You cannot move past the altar and get cleansed with the laver where it's like sanctification, holiness. Like that's kind of the picture that's done there. And then once you do that, once you focus on sanctification and you're kind of cleaned up, you move into this place where communion with other believers is absolutely formative and essential. And then you're really devoting yourself to the word and like agreeing with it. And then you're coming with a mindset of, okay, now I'm prepared and ready to interact with God. And it's not just God who I'm imagining exists. It's God who's manifesting with like clouds and fire right behind this wall. The beautiful thing is that when David's tabernacle comes, all of this gets wiped out, and it's just the Ark of the Covenant. And then the even more amazing thing, when Jesus comes, it's just, it's just the Ark of the Covenant. And it's complete access, and it's not a physical space anymore. But I want you to think about this, this pattern, this, like, this, this way that God said, this is how you need to approach me, because I'm holy. This pattern is so fundamental to how we should approach our prayer life and consider this interaction with a holy God that's so, so big, so other, that he can move all things on earth in a moment. But he demands that we slow down in our desert and we, we agree with a process where we're saved, cleansed, sanctified, filled up, with fellowship, filled up with his word, filled up then with the opportunity to interact with him in prayer, and then ultimately we encounter God himself. I just, the pace at which you have to go to connect with this is so much slower than you probably are moving in life. And I want you guys, I want you to consider your pace, and I want you to consider the absolute, like, prescriptive, way that God interacted with humanity for so, so long. And I want you to contrast that with this, like a, um, like a really, really loose grace that says, oh, you can, you know, it's all really easy. Just, just kind of give them, give them your words, you know, like give them your heart and just kind of abstractly be a good person and, and over time, you'll kind of grow and get to know him. I, I want to encourage you guys to think like, okay, we're, we're endeavoring as a group to, to deepen our life in prayer, which the point isn't so that we can get our prayers answered. I just want to say that. The point is to get closer to his presence and get closer to him. 
As we get closer to his presence, I think the priorities that come out of our mouth and our minds start to change. We realize, like, there's a whole process that he's covered for us in his death, in baptism, in fellowship, in his word. These are all such deep and profound things. I want to reorient the way I interact with my God. I want to be more Moses-like, where his presence is more significant to me than anything else that's going on in my life. Where agreement that the season we're in is where God is willing for me to be. That it's not a mistake, and he's going to change this, this season in time. He's promised that. But until it's changed, I'm not going to move. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, to change the conversation and move out of this moment because there's actually an access to God I have here that I will never have while I'm in the next chapter. There's something profound in this moment. And so, I, like, as I'm, as I'm encouraging you guys today, and we're going to kind of wrap it up here, I just want to encourage you with this. I want you to slow down. Like, slow down so, so much. So, so much that you're uncomfortable with the speed. When you come into God's presence in prayer and worship on your own, and I'm presuming that you're doing that, and if you're not, guys, please start. Like, just give him five minutes where there's nothing on and your phone's not on. Like, give, say, like do five. And, if you, and then if five's tough, do five again the next day. But get to where you're getting to time with him. And I'll just say time with him. Time that you're like, oh, I'm with him. I feel that he's in this room. And I don't have anything with me other than me and my prayers and, a, and, a, and an understanding that all of these steps have been made for me. He's created fellowship for me. He's given a word to me. He's, he instituted baptism so I can be free and have access into his presence. And Jesus paid the ultimate price so that I can have access into his presence. Like you remember these good things God has done to give you the opportunity to come to the altar of incense and begin to, to talk to him about things that are good to him. And I'll tell you if, you, if you can practice that, if you can start that pattern where your life that's going at 1,000 miles a minute takes a lower priority than this picture where I have to approach him with like a reverence and an appreciation and, a, and an awe of his holiness, you will actually then begin to encounter him. But if you approach him like in a consumer fashion where you're moving so fast and you need something back and prayer is this like request center where it's like you put in a ticket and, and maybe if I make it enough or if I'm faithful enough or I perform in the right way, maybe the conveyor belt brings me like a toy like back. Like, it, like he hears me. And I know it's way more serious than that. It's like my family needs to be saved. So it's like, God, that's all I can think about. I need, I need resurrection in my, like, my family. I need help in my work. I need provision for my life. I need my health back, whatever. <clears throat> These are big topics. But God saw a whole people, like a whole generation of people. The ones he said, these are mine. I'm choosing them from all the people on the earth. He saw all of them and all of their needs. And he said, you know what matters to you? This matters to you. I'm telling you what's important for you. 
It's that you honor me regardless of where we are. You feel like you're in a desert, or maybe you are. Like to the Israelites, they were. They didn't have a lot of good food. They didn't have water some days. And he said, this is the priority. Where am I? And are you in agreement with where I am? Or are you, tell, are you railing against me, provoking me because you're saying you're not where you would like to be? And we know the pattern. The Israelites, most of them, well, in this instance, all of them, none of them but Joshua got into the promised land because they couldn't agree. They couldn't agree with God. They couldn't accept that him being there was a higher priority than what they felt that they needed in that season. And so I'm, I'm looking at you guys, and I'm, I'm this, the depth of this message is, it's a, it feels like a more intense message than I kind of envisioned in my mind. You're welcome. It's, it's fun for me to look at you guys all uncomfortable. I, I, want, I want you to do this. I want you to realize I am not like a minor player that God has like a really small, like a side story for. I'm, I'm a really significant person. I'm really early in my life. God has big plans and dreams that he wants to affect my generation with, and he's looking for people like me to do it. And the only way I'm going to be able to carry his presence somewhere where more people in my generation will experience it is just if I'm in complete abandon to him and I'm willing to reprioritize my life around him and his presence and prayer, ultimately. You say, I'm really good at fellowship or I'm really good at tithing or I'm really good at reading the word. I am really thankful for that. I'm really thankful for that. And we all need to be. But there's this next kind of layer where we need to be really good at prayer because it's actually the thing that's closer to him than any of those other things. Now, I'm not telling you not to tithe (laughs) because we need to keep the lights on. I'm not telling you not to fellowship because that's actually part of your strength set. And you definitely need to read the word because you, you, that's part of how you understand and see what's going on. But if you don't value prayer, then you're living a life where you're navigating out of your own wisdom. And there's a lack of humility in you because you think you can do it without him. And it's really serious. It's very, very serious. And prayer is it's a reorientation of your priorities. It's a reorientation of your mindset around how life works. You say, well, he's given me good mind. He's given me good instincts. He's given me good gifts. And I just need to do the right thing and do the best thing. Yes, all those things are true. However, even more important is that you are approaching him at the closest possible measure. And the closest possible measure as it was related to us in the Moses' tabernacle was prayer. It was you right there up next to that curtain like, I, like holding on to this, it's a big bowl of incense is what it is, but it's you that you're sitting there right outside of his door and he hears every word and then when you leave, he, he, he celebrates the courage that it took for you to put those concerns there. And he celebrates the heart that says, I agree with you, God, you're good in this season when you're in the middle of the desert wandering around, but you, you slowed down to connect with him in prayer. If you're moving fast and you're fixated on the end goal and the end game, you don't have time to kneel while you're in the desert. 
you're scouting out the next kill for food. I'm looking at my hunter friend. You're, you're scouting out like the destination that we're going to or we've been promised. And there's no time, there's no value to slow down and say, God, I, I'm here right outside your door. And I'm just, I want you to hear me and I want to hear you. And that's what Jesus has made available to all of us. His death made us priests. I'm going to read you one scripture that kind of ties it all to where we're at currently. Um, did I put it in there? This is, I'm not going to read this one. This was about the cloud and the glory. So that if, you, if you don't know the story, there's a cloud and fire that the Israelites literally follow around for 40 years. That's pretty cool. All right, let's go to the next one. Did I, give, I put it up there? Okay, let me read it to you. It's right here. Um, Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. It says, But Christ came as high priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So the question is, like, how, how clean and clear is your approach to God now that Jesus paid the price for you? So the, Hebrews is saying, like, you have the right to be right there. And it actually says that Jesus, is, Jesus was the veil. Like, you guys remember when he, he, was set, when he died on the cross, the veil was torn? That's the picture, is that the veil came down because Jesus died. So then as we sit with our prayers... We're not outside of a veil anymore and God's on the other side and we're wondering if he's there. It's actually gone and he's standing right there in the room. He's listening clearly to every word you say. Every thought of your mind, every, every kind of concern of your heart, he hears it directly and it's such a privilege. And I'm just, I just want to end today by telling you how proud I am of you guys because I know most of your stories. I know the life you're attempting to live, where it's like, God, I want the more that you have for me. I want to be a courageous person that just says, yes, like, I'll go where the fire and the cloud are. My career is important because you gave it to me, but if you change it, it's, it's cool. It's where I want to go. It's, I want to go where you are. My family, the vision I had for it was one thing, but if it's this other thing, I'm going with you, and we're, we're there. My dreams are basically increasingly your dreams. And so I know that that's the heart of everyone here. And I just, I want to commend you. Because when you go to him in prayer, you're going to him in an act of great courage. It's something he values so deeply. Because he's listening. And he sees that when you pray and you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, your, your hand, like, in my family, your hand on my friends your ways, God, like teach me to partner with you. When, you're, when you start to agree with him that, God, it's, if it's like Canaan or if it's the desert, I'm with you. We're in this. I celebrate you and we are together. 
when he sees you praying prayers that way, he says, that's my son. Like, that's what I died for. That's my daughter. That's what I died for. That is the person of courage that I can invest in with my presence. And so today as we leave, I just want you guys to do this. I want you, one, to leave here knowing that, like, the, the canvas is clean. It's, it's, done, it's swept clean. Like, I often think of, like, my interaction with God, and I try every time to say, like, a blank canvas picture. Like, I make sure there's nothing on it. I always enter the room, and there's all kinds of stuff on it. There's, like, five kids, beautiful wife, no problems there. There's always things on my canvas, and I'm like, speak to these things. And I, but before I do, I always go, okay, okay, okay. That's not where we're starting this interaction. We're going to wipe it clean. And God, I have access to you. That is the great miracle. Like, I'm here with you, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so appreciative that it's, it's me and you face-to-face and that Jesus paved the way so I can just come in and we can talk. And God, before I even begin to mention any concerns on my heart, I want to celebrate all the good outcomes that you're making happen in my life. I want to celebrate the long story that I'm in, not the moment I'm in. I want to thank you for all of these good things. And those, I realize, are prayers. That's incense I'm leaving behind. Like, I'm putting that before God. And he goes, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Like, he knows my hip hurts. He knows my toe hurts. He knows I can't do physically what I want to do. He knows, like, I've got concerns at work or my family. I'm, I'm trying to, like, clear the page and just go, God, it's such a privilege to be here, like, face to face. It's such a privilege that you hear me, and you don't even hear me, just hear me. You, you meditate on. You, like, sit in the incense of my offering of prayer to you. And so I want you guys to know, when you do that in your car, at your house, it's that valuable to God. Not just from your perspective, like, this is important to me. It's from his perspective, like, wow, another one understands what's happened here. And Jesus is sitting up there, and he's like, oh, look at my kid. Look what he's doing. This is amazing. Of course we're going to help him. Of course we're going to strengthen him. Of course I've got his back. Of course generations will know the sacrifice that they made. And it's all on the back of prayer. But not prayer because it's like this checklist, but relationship where it's like me and God, we connect. And he is excited, and I'm excited, and I see the value. I see the the, the, all that went into getting me to this place. And that's why it's so important that I want you guys just to know, like, do more of it. Pray more. Tell him everything that you feel that he should hear. And just more important than anything else, realize that it's, it's God of the universe standing on the other side of this conversation. And he's eager to hear you. He's eager to hear you. So be present in that moment. Do not meditate on past. Do not meditate on what might come. Be present in that moment, and once you connect with him in that moment where you're slowed down, and it's me and him in that tent, and I, I'm, I, it's like the car was coming, I'm in a car 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden I slow down to a stop, and I get out, now I'm with him. If you, but you, however long that takes, that's what the beginning of your prayer time needs to look like. Like Just slow it down. And once he's there, say thank you for being here. 
And I promise you it'll change everything about how you pray. And I promise you it will, it will bring you back. You'll come back. It won't be a labor to come back to that moment. Um, so there's my advice to you. All right, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray that, one, some of you just get released from anxiety and stress. We've been praying for this for, it feels like months over you guys, because I know it's something that it's in our culture, it's in our way. And I want, I want you to know it's very difficult to slow down and connect with God if I'm going 100 miles an hour. And sometimes we're just tied too tightly to things that are present, more often things that are past, or things that we're worried about to come. If we slow down into this moment and Jesus is in front of me, I actually at times can slow down. But I want to, I want to pray that God will release you guys from past and future, and we can get a little bit more into the moment and actually connect with God. And I really am excited because I know he's going to begin to meet you guys in more profound ways. So let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you so much for these hungry hearts. I thank you for the great courage that's in this room. I thank you, God, that you've made these people as warriors of strength and courage with great hope and great perseverance. And I thank you, God, that you've made them as your children, children that you love so dearly. And I pray, God, that they would begin to come to you with great awareness of your presence, that your presence would increase in their, their home, their car, wherever they're praying. They begin to feel you in that space. They begin to connect with you with great confidence. And we just pray, God, that any anxiety and stress, either from their past or their concerns for their future, would be silenced in the name of Jesus. We declare a new day over this church and each individual that they would begin to walk with an awareness of what is happening in this moment with a great joy and celebration over their closeness to you and their ability to talk to you and for you to hear them forever and to celebrate them forever. And so God, go with us, lift the burdens off of us that don't belong and give us great invitations uh, daily this week to meet with you. And I just thank you, God, for the great fruit that's going to come from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Good day. Thanks for enduring the, the more, more intense data dump, but you guys did awesome. Love you guys. Have a good week. We'll see you later. Oh, yes. Fast forward to the book. There it is. Tabernacle of Moses. This is a good one. You can find it on Amazon. It's, it's all, a, lot of, a lot of depth there.